Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another great episode of Blaster Cannon. Yes, I said great because there are going to be a lot of great things talked about on this show today with great people other than myself because I'm not that great. But my other co-host are, I am, <laughs> by uh, as you all know, well, not all know, maybe you don't know me, but I'm Paul Herman. I'm joined by Megan Krause. Hello. And my other lovely friend, Seth. Hello. Seth doesn't have a last name, apparently. She's like Prince. No, I don't. She just has, she's Saf. I'm just Saf. I like that. That's nice. So, uh, thank you, ladies, for uh, joining me on the show, as always, because you're all hosts, I guess. I don't know why I said that, but whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, I'm I'm, not like I have a choice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you have a choice, but you know, like, I don't want to podcast that guy. I, I was going to go the complete were. opposite direction and be like, you say it like every other episode has been onerous, and this is going to be the first completely casual, fun yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you guys could all, you know, you guys, I, I, I'm lucky that you guys let me stick around because you guys get sick of me and kick me out. So, you know, it's, it could be very, very easily done. So thank you. I'm but, sorry, uh, who would the fun be without you? You're like uh, the potty of the podcast. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, sometimes people <laughs> complain about me, but it's, you know what? There's nothing to complain about, I think, in Star Wars right now, in my opinion, because there is so much going on and I can't wait to talk about it. I think that's why I'm a little out of sorts, because there's so much going on <laughs> in Star Wars. We went from like a complete lull for since celebration. It was like, let's be honest, pretty much dead. And then all of a sudden the trailer comes out for Rise of Skywalker. And now it's just bam, 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 bam. And then Rise of Skywalker is going to come out. And then the Clone Wars is going to come out, what, a month and a half later? And then lull. And then, and then it's like, w- there's like a vast array of desertness of Star Wars stuff. As far, I mean, we know more is coming, but like announcements and things happening after Clone Wars, it's done. But right now, we're in the middle of like a gold mine, in my opinion. So uh, I love I'm that Mando comes out once a week because it, people can talk about it once a week, and it makes November feel like such a Star Wars holiday because there's always something to talk yes. about. I, yeah. I, can I confess something? I'm gonna I'm gonna eat crow on this or not eat crow. I'm gonna go back on a statement that I re- complained about years ago. I'm not sure if it's on this <laughs> podcast or what. I can complain- wait with bated breath. Oh, and I, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong when I when I realize when I come into my senses. I was very anti Star Wars at Christmas time. And and I'm not sure if you guys knew that or not. I thought I told you guys. I do remember that, I think, yeah. Okay, so I was very anti that. And I I thought it should be a summer thing. Now I love it, and I don't ever want to go back. I, I I've totally turned to 180 on that whole idea. So I, I get love the best of all worlds. It's summer and Christmas and Star Wars for me. <laughs> I love wintertime, so I I don't mind. I, I don't the summertime's whatever. It just I just like the fact it, it was hard for me to put Christmas with Star Wars 
And now I'm kind of used to it, but with with the Mandalorian and all the stuff, you know, with getting Christmas presents and and Star Wars, so much Star Wars associated with it. After missing it last year, I really didn't miss it. I legitimately missed Star Wars being around. And went, you know what? No, I want. Excuse me. I want Star Wars to be every Christmas. So yeah, it and, felt wrong not having it last Christmas. I was like, this feels empty and mm-hmm. strange, and I don't like it. Yeah, I'm so, looking forward to seeing it, seeing the movie with friends. It's weird because there's so much Mando coverage going on right now that I feel like I have to get over this hump before I can think about the rise of Skywalker. And mm. I went to the, to the mall today. I was shopping for clothes, and there weren't as many Rise of Skywalker toys and promotionals and stuff as I expected. Maybe that's because I just wasn't particularly looking for it. I was looking for clothes but i like scanned through like hot topics um Mm. like fandom sections and there wasn't as much star wars stuff as i expected but for me it feel that feels right because i'm like oh no this is mando season and then rise (laughs) of skywalker season is starting in december (laughs) and that's that's a unique place for star wars to be in i think whether that means something about how the the toy landscape is yeah i don't want to go into right now but it was noticeable well and and i will say there is if you where i found my rise of skywalker shirts i used to go to kohl's and they used to have a plethora of the the newer movie t-shirts that has plethora yeah thank you (laughs) um i I can be smart sometimes sometimes but uh but last this just this year no it was jc penny that's where all the Skywalker Rise of Skywalker stuff was at, and um, it was uh, it was it had some cool shirts there. I was, I, you know, and and I did go to Hot Topic once, and I did see um, a uh, our universe uh, T-shirt, Mandalorian T-shirt, which was actually really cool. And then I was looked, I looked at the price, and I was like, oh, I don't like it that much. So wait, uh, her uh, universe. It's yeah, it's it's a oh, oh for like for yeah. both genders, that's our yeah, universe. For, yeah, oh, is that actually their brand name? I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I wasn't familiar with that. Okay, yeah. go on. Yeah, I, I was unaware of it too until until a friend told me, and I went, oh, there is a male clothing line of her universe, and I did, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I wanted to get there's a couple of shirts from Hot Topic for for our universe, and I really wanted to get one. They're really expensive though. I was like, well, I'm not liking them that much. So, um, but there is, so there was some cool stuff there. I think if you looked online, Megan, you'd probably find more. Then, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. But these weird; these stores don't have more merchandise, right? So, um, anyway, all right. Well, I guess there's there's going to be a very short amount of topics, but not the amount of content we'll, we'll talk from these two topics will be like an eight-hour show of itself. So <laughs> it will not actually be an eight-hour show. Will, yeah. Just well, let you know in yeah. advance, it won't be eight hours, yeah, but well, it could be. Don't tempt me, girls. Don't tempt me. Uh, <laughs> so. We've got Jedi Fallen Order, the new uh, video game, Star Wars video game. Um, and again, I'm not. You guys are way more bigger gamers than I am. What would you? What kind of game would you call this again? Action adventure. Action adventure. Okay. So Action adventure souls like. Okay. All right. And then obviously we have the Mandalorian, the first live action, regular, occurring, episodic television show of star wars live you know live action wise anyway uh coming out so there's a lot to get to and so um we'll get to let's save mandalorian for last you know not saying best for last i don't want to say that necessarily but i'm gonna say it best for last uh but jedi fallen order uh i feel it's been kind of like the uh 
the redheaded stepchild, or uh, that's probably nothing right, nice thing to say, but or the uh, just the kind of the outsider of the of the group. It kind of is not getting as much attention as the Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker, and it got plopped right in the middle of everything. And I I don't I I, I feel very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel very sorry for that because I've played a little bit of this game, and I love it. I I love this game. And, and Saf, you've played more than I have, and I, I want to pick your brain on it. And I know, Megan, you haven't you haven't started playing it, and I'm just curious. I want to get your take on it first. Like, is it you're not into those kind of games? Or are you just kind of – what? why haven't you picked up Jedi Fallen Order? Or are you waiting? Or kind of give me your your take on that, uh, on that game. I'm waiting a little bit for several different reasons. One of them is that I do and have always from the beginning felt like this game is treading familiar ground for Star Wars fans. The characters haven't grabbed me at all. And right now I need to pick and choose what I'm consuming versus the amount of time I have in my life in a very careful way. So it has just not, I've been not able to justify playing a 25 hour game or a 30 hour game that feels like it is the same type of Star Wars content that uh, I saw in the 2000s when I was playing games like Jedi Knight or even something like um, Force Unleashed that came out a little bit later. It is just, um, I was worried that I would not be be attached to the character. Um, The fact that it's a Souls-like is very different. And this was fascinating to me because when it was originally announced, it looked very much like a linear action game. And then once reviewers, including our own John Saavedra, started getting their hands on it and said, actually, it's this Souls-like and you have to retrace paths and it's a lot about traversal. Um, I was really curious about whether it would capture the kind of difficulty and the puzzle aspect of that kind of game as well as bringing in the character of star wars and it's up to you guys to tell me whether that's true hmm saf tell tell, tell her because i I'll, I'll give my my limited thoughts in a second but i really and i know we kind of both agree i think so but you go yeah, first that's exciting okay yes, i have I a know. lot of thoughts on this game actually <laughs> go for I it i've been tweeting about it a bit um i love it and also don't love it there's a lot of good in it and also a lot of really frustrating not great in it. Um, it is definitely trying its best to be a Souls-like, so very much like Dark Souls in the way that you have to um, fail and learn and fail and learn and fail and learn and get frustrated because you can't figure out what it's trying to teach you. Um, and I do feel like this game would have benefited from like another six months or year in production because a lot of it is quite buggy um, I'm having issues because I'm playing on an original Xbox One instead of one of the new ones. Uh, there's some input lag a lot of the time. So in a game that's very dependent on timing, that's not great. Uh, yeah, it's a bit buggy at times. There was one point I walked into an area and the entire floor didn't load. And I was like, is this just a big chasm that I'm meant to get over? I don't understand. And then I took a step off and I was like, oh, okay, the floor's just invisible, I guess. I'll just wow. walk along here and hope I don't fall off anything. Um I do enjoy the bugs, like, when BD1 realizes very suddenly off-screen that it should be on your shoulder, and it just suddenly, like, flings over onto your shoulder from nowhere, like, behind the camera, which is always fun. Um, The story is interesting. It is, in a lot of ways, treading familiar ground. It's very much like Lost Jedi Padawan during the Purge, trying to fix Jedi stuff, I guess. 
um, the characters. Rebels is the obvious comparison there. Yeah, yeah. And, and The Force Unleashed. Yeah, it is quite different from The Force Unleashed, especially in the way that, like, The Force Unleashed is very much about feeling cool and looking cool. This game is, like, if you want to be a Jedi, you have to work hard, which I don't love because okay. I just want to walk around smashing stuff with a lightsaber. Uh, but the game definitely makes you have to, like, think about it first. It's making you actually think like a Jedi, and I don't want that. I just want to look like a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it's quite a tough game. It's a frustrating, tough game. And I feel like, as well, the designers assume you have a certain amount of gaming literacy, especially with Dark Souls-type games. The tutorial didn't really teach me a lot of the stuff I needed to know with regards to timing and how certain actions worked that maybe people who play Dark Souls and stuff like that would actually know, but I don't because I don't play those kinds of games very often. Um, and Now, you did... Yes. Sorry, feel feel free to just continue with your thought if this question was not where you were going, but you had mentioned, I, I got the impression when we were talking earlier that you did like it overall, or, or are enjoying the game. Is that accurate? Yeah, I am enjoying it, but I'm also having trouble with it. It's, it's hard to explain, because I am having fun with it, I'm enjoying playing it, but it makes me really frustrated to play it sometimes. Like, there's one puzzle... Um, there's like these tombs you go to and the second tomb there's one puzzle on there that the writing could have made way easier to figure out because the way it was written me and one of my friends was playing it and it was at the same area as me we're really frustrated because we couldn't solve the puzzle because the game had just given us a totally wrong idea on what was happening in this tomb um and i don't like that i don't like that the game itself made that really obtuse when it should have been obvious um and the hint it gets, because you can get hints for puzzles, the hint it gives you is just useless. It's absolutely useless. <laughs> like, a lot of the hints are just obvious stuff of, like, you should do this thing. And it's like, I'm trying. I just don't know what you want me to do with it. <laughs> um, and also the writing sucks. Like, the story's cool. The characters, in theory, are cool concept characters. Like, Sarah's cool. I mean, Cal is Cal. The second sister and the night sister are really cool. But the writing sucks so bad. The mm. writing's so bad. It's so That's bland. That's another it's thing so that kind of influenced dull. my choice, to be honest. Yeah, it's, like, it's really obvious that they only really started... Felt yeah, they only really started getting the writing team together this year properly, uh, when it should have been there from the start, was such a story-heavy game. And there's some conversations, like, there's conversations your crewmates have while you're loading into a new planet area um, in, like, the cockpit, and it's like, this is a great time to get some great characterization, but it's just exposition of the character backstories. It's so painful. It's not... There's one conversation on Kashyyyk, um, which is not an important story conversation, but it's between two like rebel characters and you can listen in on it you don't get involved you just tap the direct button and listen and it's like literally these two characters and one of them's like i'm so tired i don't know why we're doing this anymore blah 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 and then the other character goes you know why you're doing this the empire killed your family and this disaster and blah 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 and he's like yeah but you have it worse the empire did all of these things to you and like big exposition and she's like yeah but we're family now and blah 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 and i was just like i are you kidding me this is like a whole minute of just exposition on these two characters that mean nothing <laughs> We already know the Empire is bad. We don't need this. Like, the entire conversation could have been achieved in, like, five lines if if <laughs> if they actually, like, had a solid idea of what they were doing. Um, yeah, my biggest complaint is the writing. Because the, I had, like, an emotional high point in the game, kind of, like, of this char- these characters, like, the main characters, like, having a struggle together. And it hit at a point where I was like, I haven't 
learned these characters well i don't feel like i'm part of this group but the game expects me to think i am um and i've been struggling with that a lot because i just don't care i truly do not care about any of the characters for bd1 and grease because grease is actually really well written grease is great i love him he's so funny um he's like the pilot of your little crew and he is he is a good time but everything else i mean the second sister is also very cool. I like her. Uh, but I feel like I would like her whether or not her writing is good because she's just cool. Mm. Yeah. One of the impressions that I've gotten from a lot of the reviews of this game, not necessarily ours, but a lot of them throughout the internet, have been that people are grading it on a curve because it's a Star Wars game. And then if it yeah. had been kind of a generic fantasy, maybe it would be either totally kind of forgotten or rated more harshly do you think that's true i do absolutely think that's true i think because it's a star wars game that has a story which is like something we haven't had in quite a while people are willing to forgive it for a lot Um, and because the story like it's hard to explain because the writing sucks the dialogue sucks the lore stuff is boring but the story itself is cool like the concept behind the story and why you're going to places and what's actually happening is cool the character concepts are really cool i like the idea of sierra i just wish i cared about her because of the game um and so it's hard to be like, because whenever I say the writing sucks, people are like, yeah, but the story's so cool. I'm like, it is. It is. I agree. But it still sucks. Um, and I feel like, yeah, again, like another year of production would have really served well because they would have been able to like really grind down the writing and polish it a lot more and it would have been a lot better than it is. <sighs> um, and it is like, I know particularly myself, I'm a lot more judgmental about writing and narrative and games because that's my job. So a lot of other people are just kind of like blowing past that because games in general don't have great writing a lot of the time. And if a game has a story, people are like, wow, it's got a story. That's so exciting. And just ignore the fact that the writing isn't great. Um, so I know that it's going to get accolades for its writing and its narrative and it kills me in advance. But I do not just because it's a Star Wars game and people are excited to play a Star Wars game with a narrative. And... I will accept that as much as I hate it. Wow. There's a lot to follow up with that. And I, yeah. And, <laughs> so, and, and what I love about our, all of our dynamics is that we are all very different and we have different, you know, I feel like a Megan's a good amalgam of, of you know, between me and you. And I feel like, just because <laughs> I just, try. Well, no, because you, because Megan, you love games, you love books, you know, and, and I, you know, you're kind of a combined with staff. She loves games and books and I love, you know, more comics and, and books and instead of less games. So I feel we all round each other out. And so I, I love hearing mm-hmm. staff's perspective because I don't, because I am not a gamer. You guys are way <laughs> bigger gamers than me and know way Actually, more as about Actually, not book. really gamer, how are you finding like the gameplay of this game? And see, and that, yeah. And so everything you're saying, uh, I I really like it, and I I think it's funny. Everything you're saying, Saf, about the game is I think accurate from people who are, are get, maybe giving it a free pass. I can mm-hmm. see what I see where you're coming from. Not that I this uh, at this point. Again, I'm only I you just fit, start, yeah. You are pretty early on in the game. I'm pretty, um, yeah. I will give you an advice. Don't go to Deathmere until the game tells you to. Just don't. Don't yeah, make heard. my mistake. <laughs> I've already heard the stories, and I'm like, that's yeah. cool. I, 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 I've already my friends already kind of warned me about that as well. No, yeah, I, I, I think did that, and yeah. it was a mistake. Right. So what what I what happened with me was, or what, with the games, I, I want people to know, I I played like Star Wars game. That's it. I don't play anything else besides Star Wars games, and I played Spider Man on PS4 and it reminded me a lot of Spider-Man to be honest where 
it's that kind of uh, that kind of narrative, you know, going on and, and, and how it blends the the cutscenes with uh, with your fighting and all that stuff. And I really like that. And I thought I did a good job of that. So far. again, I'm only so far into it, very or very early on into it. Uh, I, I, this is where I need to ask you guys because I haven't played a lot of the old Star Wars games. I've played a little bit of Force Unleashed. Um, it doesn't, and I feel that this story is really interesting and unique and it hasn't really, it's not necessarily ground we've treaded on. At least again, maybe I'm wrong, but when I, when yeah, I, you're not, you're not totally wrong. The themes and ideas of it are pretty familiar, but the actual story itself is quite new. Um, it blends a lot from the Clone Wars and Rebels and other stuff, which I've been enjoying. Um, like again, it has the Inquisitors in it, uh, which is like Sagarera. Saw's in it! I forgot Saw was in it, and then when he turned up, he turns up in a great scene. When he turned up, I absolutely lost my mind, and my friend was also watching me play it. And I was like, Saw's here! I don't care about anything else now, Saw is here. Um, so that was very exciting. Yeah, and that was, and, and I haven't I haven't got that point, but I've already been, I've already saw that out there. And I, and I know we're trying to be very cautious of, of spoiling things out for people. So for me, everything that I'm seeing so far is... Like the dialogue you talk about, Saf, I have not gotten to those points where I'm like, this is unnecessary. Now, granted, I'm not a writer in this stuff. I'm not, I'm not one to like criticize that necessarily either. And I think that this, because it is a story-based game, maybe people are giving it more of a pass than usual. Um, but yeah, I haven't had the same problems at all. That w- again, I'm not very far either. Question, Wait, really quick question: What what difficulty are you also playing it on? Jedi Knight. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and so, and this is the thing. I I agree with you that that a narrative story doesn't mean it's going to be good, and should, you shouldn't give it a free pass. And I think part of that for me is I don't really like I didn't really like the narrative story in Battlefront Two. I didn't even finish it. It was so mm. boring. It was so oh, boring yeah. to me. See, I, I really liked that, that one. I liked, I think that's another one where I enjoy. I really enjoyed the gameplay, and I really liked the characters. I don't remember what the story was about. I just remember I got frustrated at certain narrative design choices. But that, I don't know. I enjoyed that one a I lot more story wise. I do think that's connected to part of why I've been so lukewarm on Jedi Fallen Order because I really enjoyed Aiden Versio's story. I really enjoyed the kind of flash forward part that talks about um, Kylo Ren in Battlefront 2 and that made um, it feel to me let me start that sentence again because I enjoyed the story in that game I do not feel like I've been in a Star Wars games desert the way a lot of people do however I totally understand that the Battlefront 2 story was essentially an add-on to a multiplayer game and that it didn't satisfy a lot of what people wanted so I understand why that doesn't feel like as much of a contribution to everyone as maybe as it does to me yeah and I the thing is, the reason why I brought up the Battlefront 2 is that I, I got bored with the story and because it, it wasn't very engaging, in my opinion. And I love this. I lo- And talk about the protagonist. I'm really in, invested in, in the idea. And, and for people, I, I almost don't even want to go in much in the story because I think it is very interesting because it, even though it's, it is about Jedis and, and continuing on, I just want to leave it at that because the way they approach it, is vastly different than I anticipated. And I kind of thought to myself, why haven't they gone through this in in the canon or in, in the EU? Because I mean, the way they're doing it is totally more unique than anything that we've gotten so far. In my Again, in my opinion, maybe I'm, I don't remember everything and I haven't read a lot of 
a ton of the that era of EU uh, legend stuff, but everything seems kind of fresh to me. And and I love the dynamics of of Cal's character, what they're doing with that character, and what the idea is. Like you know, we have to do this, and you're going to do it. And I I just love that d- idea behind it. And is it is it too much of a spoiler to ask how is this different from Kanan's story in particular? I don't. Okay, uh, what do you think, Sav? I, I don't necessarily oh. think it's it's a spoiler, but I, I I will let me say this. I Cal and Kanan, in my opinion, are vastly different. And yeah, I do agree with that. They yeah, on the surface level, so. they have very similar stories, but like Kanan's whole thing, I can't entirely remember. But like he kind of couldn't help being a hero, but he didn't yeah. want to help other people. Um, like he wanted to just mm-hmm. survive until Hera came along. Cal is more of a he doesn't want to he's got a lot of trauma on his shoulders because of things that happened during Order 66 and so it's not so much that he doesn't want to help people, he just doesn't want to remember his trauma um, like he does try and help people but he doesn't basically like he's got this idea that he he like can't put himself in danger um, mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff like that but he also very much wants to do good um so it's very different from like kaden kind of like trying to survive whereas cal is like trying to bury his trauma if that makes sense kaden is a cowboy cal is a soft boy he's cal is a baby yeah cal is very much a soft boy (laughs) he's a survivor and i feel like even though they're both survivors i i think even more so than kaden and i feel that also kaden didn't want to do isn't isn't on a quest to do what what cal is doing Kanan in this needed a really big push and yes. cal did not need much Ex- well yeah well said and i think yeah. and again and cal has a mentorship that is very unique that i don't even again i i stayed away from spoilers and i i encourage people to get the game and just play it out because i've kind of the things that have been revealed to me have been really cool and something i wasn't expecting so yeah that's why i'm frustrated that the writing's not as good as it could be because the stuff in it is really cool like it's got some really cool unique ideas but i'm just like i could care more it could have more depth to it in the way it's like introducing these things because like a lot of the game is about grappling with trauma with regards to jedi in order 66 and i think that's really interesting because we haven't really talked like nothing's really talked about particularly trauma itself um for the characters and how they've dealt with that post order 66 and this game does go into that more you see it in different ways and it feels like it should be a much stronger theme and it doesn't really quite hit the mark for me in the same way like the last of us does um because last of us is very much about trauma as well uh but it spends more time digging into that and kind of building those relationships through that whereas fallen order feels like it doesn't really get enough time between characters to do that and i i think for me the the story is so interesting but i think it's also the fact that what it's so it's one of those things where it's such an obvious story that it's weird they haven't gone this it it seems strange to me they haven't gone down this road yet with anything and it's and again that mission statement kind of what what your whole reason your game kind of exists in the first place is really interesting. And I, I and again, I kind of thought, why weren't Jedi doing this? Why haven't we seen more of this, basically? Because I feel it, it, it is kind of touched on the Darth Vader comic. Um, I know you guys maybe have not read that, but 
Uh, Jocasta knew had talked about it. I'll just kind of hint at that. Again, this is stuff you could just read a synopsis for, but I want to encourage people like me, like I be like me, go in completely like as cold as possible and you'll be surprised. And I've been very, very like happy with what I've done done so far. And I'm actually coming from the opposite side of that because I'm actually like, I, at first I went in cold. But I saw people talking about stuff like in vague terms, and I was like, "Tell me more! I want to know." <laughs> so people actually have spoiled me for a lot of stuff, and that's gotten me way more excited. Like, oh, that's cool. There's one particular place you go to that does confirm a theory I've had for a long time, um, oh. with the story stuff, and I was like, "Oh, I love that!" So I played through like solidly until I got to that point, and I was like, "I'm here for this." Uh, so <laughs> it has cool. some that's really cool stuff later on that's and megan i like will tell you what how? that is if you don't know um afterwards so i don't spoil yeah please do because i tend to operate that way you guys probably know this by now sometimes spoilers make me more eager to see the yeah. thing yeah i think this this game does do some really cool stuff and if you are the kind of person that does like get more excited through knowing cool things about a thing i would suggest looking up spoilers for this game if you mm. want to be surprised don't look up spoilers because there is some really cool stuff that has surprised me yeah, I, so... But also, I, I would say, don't buy it straight away if you've got, like, an original PS4 or Xbox mm, One. Just I've let heard, them yeah. patch it. Please yeah. let them patch it. I've, I've heard I've heard kind of horror stories about that, and that's a bummer, oh, man. Yeah, the input lag is killing me, because, like I said, the game is very timing-based. Like, you need to hit the button at the precise time. Like, I can't play it on a higher difficulty because it lowers parry times and dodge times. Like, you don't mm. get as much grace period. And I really want to play it on a harder mode because I enjoy doing that, but I just can't because I can't do the timing because of the input lag. Right. And I can even feel it because the controller vibrates with the movements that um, Cal does. And I love controller vibration normally, but I can tell there's a lag between what the, com- what the screen is doing and what the controller is doing. Because... It took me ages to figure out that the controller was actually vibrating in time with what he was doing because it wasn't vibrating in time with him. So I was like, what is what is this trying to tell me? And then eventually I realized that just the timing was off. So, I, Saf, I'll have to ask you this because I'm not that far, but I will comment on regarding lore and connections into like films and other things. I love what it's doing for like the Jedi history already and I, I i and i i'm not even that far into it but i'm already love love of love what they've done and kind of developing more i think jedi history with the game and again the game is canon the game is part of this greater canon that we all that we that we all love to talk about and why the show exists in the first place it's you know not the films and i love that it's connected to that and it's branching out and developing more uh a different part of history of the jedi order and i think that's really really yeah. cool yeah, it's kind of like the Legends of Luke Skywalker book that had a bunch of different, like, ideas Ooh. of the Force in it. It's kind of got an idea like that happening. Like, a different, a, not like Jedi necessarily, but mm-hmm. different kind of interpretation <sighs> of the Force Yes. in its history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like that. It is, like, approaching the Force in a, like, I mean, Cal still uses it like a Jedi, but the actual lore happening is a yes. different kind of Force thing from history, which I think is cool. Yeah, and and huh. in the little in the little bit that I've played, I've already hinted into that, and I think that's really cool. And then guess what gets me excited about this game? And I and this is why I'm not very far in it. I'm trying to parse it out as much as I can until Rise of Skywalker, because I love the game so much so far. I don't want I it's, the Spider Man. Uh, I I'm a <laughs> those who know you know don't know I'm a giant Spider Man fan. He's my favorite fictional character maybe, maybe ever, and um. I literally would only play it a couple hours a week or, and, and again, I, I, cause I'm so terrible at games, a couple hours would mean like 
I'd only get like 20 minutes into the game. So you know what I'm saying? So I would just kind of, I parsed it out so I could just enjoy it as much as I can. Cause I see all these people would blow through it over a weekend. I'm like, I just can never do that. Cause I just want to enjoy it. Especially now yeah. with, especially now with rise of Skywalker, I want to really sit with this and have it help me get through to rise of Skywalker. Cause I'm getting hyped for that. So I, but the little bit I've gotten, the, it's really done a great job of giving, giving me different ideas of the Jedi order, which is a really mm-hmm. exciting thing. Yeah. I it, need, it's cool. I want to know what this information is now. I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh, Excellent. I will absolutely tell you. Um, <laughs> one thing I do like, and it's very early on, so it's not really much of a spoiler, uh, in the save points, because it's got save points, not checkpoints. You've got to go to save points. And when you heal at save points, it respawns all of the enemies you've just killed, yeah. which Ooh. I hate so much, because it's very much a Dark Souls thing, and I'm not here for that. Um, <laughs> but you in the save what? point itself, yeah. you like kind of meditate and kind of go into, it's not world between worlds, but it's kind of got a similar design aspect to it. It's very much like an internal force place um and in the distance like these i don't know these orbs why not and these like orbs in the distance and they're all like kind of shattered and stuff kind of like the traveler from destiny and i like that because it seems like a like a i was just thinking that's extremely destiny yeah extremely destiny like a kind of i don't want to say metaphysical that's not the right word but like internal representation of cal's connection to the force because this area is cool and it's part of his meditations to connect to the force but in the distance you can tell like you kind of get the idea of like it's a like bigger area a bigger place a bigger connection to the force but parts of it are broken and i really like that environment design just for this little safe point area because it is it's cool it's just a very very cool design that does communicate a lot about his connection to the force just with that little thing and i wish more of the game had that kind of stuff yeah i i hope i hope megan that us talking about it made you more interested in the game i have another question for you paul yes ma'am as a person who does not play a lot of games, I think with in terms of just playing Star Wars games and Spider-Man, you've had a pretty good sampling because the Spider-Man game was very good. But mm-hmm. so as a lay person, do mm-hmm. you enjoy the lightsaber combat? Like, is it fun to smack stormtroopers in this game? Totally. And I, I have not, I'm not, again, I'm not. Oh, you I'm don't not. even have any of like the big force powers. You'll, it'll get more fun. One of my favorite things, you get a force push eventually. Um, of course you do because it's it's a yeah. game about the force. And my favorite thing you can tell when I've been force pushing stormtroopers off of cliffs because I have a very particular cackle. I admit every time I do it because it's just it's so much fun to like knock a stormtrooper right off a cliff. I'm just like <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the skywalker. I think the lightsaber uh, parries and and uh, like you know all that swinging around stuff has been fine. It's not like. Oh my god, this is amazing! But it's it's been solid. I think it's 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 the best we've gotten that I've played. And I played a little bit of Force Unleashed, and I thought Force Unleashed was fine. I thought Force Unleashed was, you're a little bit overpowered. I feel that the lightsaber is adequately powered, if that makes any sense, in in this game. Yeah. And and the enemies they give that you you fight are are adequate enough to where it makes sense. Uh, that what these scout troopers have like those. Oh, gosh, I'm so bad with the weapon names, but the, like the those uh, uh, droids from Revenge of the Sith have those little staff things they have. Oh that, yeah, the, the the shock staff. Thing. Yeah, yeah, they have they have the the scout troopers have those, and the, and some are harder than others. And there's also yeah. like Inquisitor, not the the purge troopers, which are very cool. I haven't um, got to them yet. I heard, yeah, I you'll get to them very soon. Um, there are purge troopers. There's a few different kinds of purge troopers as well, so you do have to like learn the different styles. There's one in particular that still kicks my ass because I can't quite. understand understand how to beat them properly um 
but they're kind of like you also have to fight like you don't actually have to fight inquisitors normally i was like you have to fight inquisitors just in the around world no you don't it's just the prototroopers have a very similar sense of um kind of <laughs> awe to them like you come against purge trooper not super common and you're just like oh god damn it this guy's gonna kick my ass <laughs> well yeah so i think it's, yeah i think the the gameplay has been has been fine so far and, and like i said i the reason why i haven't played more of it is because i'm just trying to really save it for when i really want to get into the deep star wars stuff when i'm when i'm really hyping for rise of skywalker which is you know a couple times a week where i'll start getting like really amped up about it and i'll be like man i gotta i get my star wars out and i'll play uh fallen order so yeah i i think we'll have a proper episode maybe once uh both saf and i finish it maybe Megan i'm really I... excited to see your thoughts like later on in the game yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll go deeper spoiler heavy maybe at that point maybe even megan will have played it you never know so um we'll do a big big overview of that game eventually uh maybe maybe in a couple of months, we'll have a slow period, and we'll, we, we can dive into that, and that'll be an easy one for us to really get into. So, because uh, we've got another big topic here, unless you have anything, <laughs> else, let's see if you have anything else you want to add, Seth. I just want to say I would die for BD One. BD One yeah. is just so cute. It's yeah, got a little like yeah. he does little like tip tap dances. Oh my god, he's <laughs> he's even cuter than I expected. And you can you can customize the skins as I well. Know. I got mine. I got mine to be the uh, like Bumblebee from Transformers. Oh, did you get Aww. the pre-order thing? Yeah, I got. Yeah, that. I don't have that because it's a pre-order one. But I did recently. Uh, you can also customize Cal's poncho a little bit. You get skin yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I recently found a pink poncho and also a pink and black skin for BD. And now I'm all like, I'm all pink, and it's so incongruous with the game's design. It's great. By the way, I love the customization. Like I, that is something that in games that I so underrated for me that I didn't really, I never really thought I would care about. But I, I, I wish do. the ship looked cooler with different skins. I yeah. don't love the ship skins, but everything else is fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and by the way, make orange lightsabers cannon. That stuff is legit. All right, because that's also a pre-order bonus. Ah, uh, yeah. God. Also, one cool, one cool little thing is that um, one of the audio designers actually talked about it. The non-common colors of lightsabers in that game have different sound processing to make them sound more like more special, which is really cool. That is cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Like the orange what? one, I know has like very specific sound processing to make it sound very cool. Huh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so this game, I yeah, I can't wait to dive deeper into this game in a couple months. So maybe, I'm really hoping that that Megan get, jumps on it at some point so, soon. So we can all, like, d go deep into it. So, yeah, but definitely, it sounds like we, for the most part, Saf, we would recommend Fallen Order, correct? I recommend it if, like, I have been saying when people have been asking me, I've been saying it depends on what you want to get out of the game. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. If, if like, what you've been hearing from Paul and me sounds like your kind of thing, then I definitely recommend it. If you're going into it specifically for story and not for combat at all, just watch a Let's Play on YouTube. <laughs> oh, YouTube. Oh, oh YouTube. YouTube. The, yeah, it, it is not. The story mode is not a story mode. You still have to actually work pretty hard to get through the game. Oh, that's good. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, Yeah, so I, I, I recommend Fallen Order. I think if you like Star Wars games... Check it out. If you're a big time gamer and you want something that's gonna like 25 hours or whatever. Oh, you're for a big time gamer. If you love like Souls type, Souls likes and that kind of stuff, you will love this game. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good to know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good to know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I guess moving on to the big, the big thing. There, there's a, there's this uh, new Star Wars t- a live action TV show called <laughs> Mandalorian that came okay. out. Okay, first thing. You know how a long time ago, I don't know how long ago it actually was, I said that I am not interested in Star Wars TV because I don't care about sci-fi TV. I take that back. I'm like you, Paul. I was wrong. I take it back. I love this. I love this. I've also gone through a bit of an arc with The Mandalorian where I didn't think I would care. And then Pedro (laughs) Pascal really... The thing is, he nails the essential Star Wars acting skill, which is oh being able to convey a strong emotion while wearing a helmet and talking to a puppet, and he does it really well. <laughs> so yeah. I've, um, uh, my my reviews of the show are up online, oh. obviously, but awesome. the the third one was my favorite, and the other two I was definitely warming up to it, but I'm on board now. I overall. I think they've really succeeded it. And, and this is something I've seen online where hardcore Star Wars fans are really into it. And there are people that are saying, I, I don't love Star Wars. I don't even really care about the rest of the universe. I just care about the Mandalorian and baby Yoda. And <laughs> that's success. Like, I may yeah. have some problems with baby Yoda, but it's a success. Mm. Like, the internet has been taken by storm. Yeah, I... I'm genuinely shocked by how much I love the show because I was worried it was going to be like, ooh, gritty bounty hunter doing his gritty bounty hunter things. But like straight away, it's it's goofy. It's got like a good amount of Star Wars goof in it, which I yeah. love. The yeah. Mandalorian himself is like, he's a tender character. He's 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 an interesting, like he's got depth to him. He's not just a bounty hunter. He's not just a Mandalorian. He's also like a dude who's usually asking what the hell is going on here. And you can see it in the way he holds his head under that helmet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very good acting just, to convey confusion. <laughs> he's, he conveys it so well. He conveys all of the emotions despite <laughs> just wearing a helmet. It's, <laughs> So good. The thing that amazed me so much about the very first episode is that he conveys the fact that whenever Mando walks into a room, any room, he has no plan what to do once he gets inside. Yeah, he never has a plan, and I love it so much. Oh, this this show is everything I did not expect, and it's everything I love. And Paul, you were rooting for it from day one. So, what do you think? Well, okay, so. If you don't follow me on Twitter, shame on you. Um, but if you do, you probably already know that I am in deeply in love with the show. And I've been saying, I'm going to toot my own horn for a minute. I've been saying that the future of Star Wars has been TV for a long time. Even when they, even when they first announced the show, I said, this is, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm overselling it. I don't remember but everything. But 
I was since, since the very moment they announced this, I was like, this is going to be big because John Favreau is, and I've never seen the Jungle Jungle Book. I've never seen the Lion King, but I've I'm a giant Marvel fan. For those who know know me well, and know that John Favreau is a big reason why the MCU is as big as it is now. And I I give a lot of credit to to John Favreau, Kevin Feige, obviously yes. Um, but John Favreau really brought, I think, the essence of what it, it ne- what the Marvel Universe needed to be. And Kevin Feige, I think, learned a lot from Iron Man and John Favreau, and then I think even perfected it even more. And so when John Favreau was announced as this this guy doing the show, I know that some people weren't happy about it, but. For me, I I was happy because I'm a big John Favreau fan. I've loved John Favreau for a long time. I loved him in the movie Swingers, where he was heavily involved in that movie. He didn't. I don't think he. I don't know if he wrote the movie. I think he wrote the movie, but Gus Van Zant directed it. Um, he's phenomenal in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever, and it's one of the most quotable movies of all time. And I've always liked him. And he, when he did Iron Man, I was so I could not believe how great it was. And I was late to watching Elf, and Elf is just a ridiculously entertaining movie and i was wait, watching he elf? yeah he did yeah wait what yeah oh my wow. god i had no idea that's, <laughs> that's how uh, he did elf first and then he did zathura and zathura was not successful oh, financially zathura was a time yeah but because he did but that but it was honestly zathura that i think helped him get the role or get the gig of iron man because zathura was a science or it was a special effects movie and he had one, you know, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it was a bomb or not. It probably was. But he had one bomb and one giant, you know, pretty successful movie with Elf. And Elf was extremely entertaining. And I, and I was watching if I was watching this uh, roundtable for Marvel directors, specifically for Jon Favreau. Because I thought he said something about Star Wars, but I was totally wrong, or at least with the interview I was watching. But he talked about how he he was on the list for Iron Man because of Elf. And Elf was... <laughs> Well, because and, and one of the reasons why, um, you know, he, the way what he did, they used Iron Man as a template for the MCU kind of going forward is because when he makes movies, he likes to add humor. It, you know, he's a you know, he, he's a funny guy. And when he was uh, showing the exact elf, they were surprised at how funny it was, even though like it was or uh, Kevin Feige was watching. He goes and he Kevin goes, this is really, really funny. He's like, yeah, like it's, that's what, you know, we want, we think humor is a really important thing in these movies It movies in general, not just, you know, in a family movie or whatever. It, it, if you, if you look at elf, it's ridiculous thing. How could it not be a comedy, but it's even more funny than I think maybe the people are anticipating even with Will Ferrell. But anyway, I, when they announced John Favreau as the, the main guy, I, I had full confidence and, I never doubted it for a second because the guy knows storytelling and we all know he's a giant star Wars fan because he was involved in the clone wars. He was pre Vizsla as a voice. And there was, I just had full confidence that a guy like John Favreau has an idea. And one of the things that always stuck out to me and and I definitely remember you guys, I was preaching this, you know, to you guys too. I said, it's very, it's in a very inspired story. It wasn't something that, they conjured up and they had to, you know, had focus groups and they sat down and said, what are we going to do from all accounts? 
what we understand it to be, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, all accounts, it seems like a more inspired story than just sitting down figuring out what we're going to do for a Star Wars TV show because Disney wants a Disney Plus TV show. Because from what we understand and what John has said, he's had this idea for a long time, and he has he he wrote he started writing scripts in, in, from like years ago before there was this was even a, a, a Disney Plus was even officially announced or whatever. And he eventually gave these, you know, gave these scripts to Dave Filoni when they're developing things and whatnot. So my point is, is that this had a big, a, a real inspired inception. And when you have that, special things can happen. And I think, and I think that you know, when people sit down and and, mar- and do and business meetings, like and creative meetings, and the good things can happen too. I think Rogue One, in some ways, could, you know, that was inspired. That was inspired, but also was created through meetings and things like that because it was a very, very basic idea. But The Mandalorian was always John Favreau's single inspiration. And then you put Dave Filoni in there and all these talented directors we'll get to in a minute. You get I knew we we're going to get something special. I just I, knew it. I feel like a damn fool because as soon as I finished watching the first episode, I was like, I know everyone who works on this well not everyone but i know like some of the core people who work on this thing i know they love comedy and light-hearted goofy stuff i don't know why i didn't expect any of that to be in this i think it was just because of the way people were talking about it but as soon as it finished i was like of course it's going to be goofy of course it's going to have humor it's essential star wars but also these people working on it love that stuff yeah i i think i just trust favreau because when you watch iron man even one and two like all people i like i uh, for the record, I like Iron Man 2 way more than everybody else. So it gets an unfair rap, in my opinion. But Iron Man 1 and 2, I think John just understands one character. He's a great director, too. But I think he really puts himself in, in, and falls in love with the lore and knows for when he likes something, he knows what makes it good. And with Star Wars, I just I knew that was going to happen. And I think he knew the balance. Again, Balance is key in Star Wars because you can't. Can you talk specifically about? I feel like since we have three episodes out right now, we should be able to talk about them specifically instead of the. Because we, I think this is like, I'm interested in your opinion on this, but it's very similar to the conversation we had before the show came out. So now that we have three episodes, can you tell me about some of the ways in which you think that passion or, or like, the Favreau signature was present in those episodes? And, of course, with the consideration that there are some really remarkable directors in place as well. Right. So for me, I think Favreau is all... He wrote... He's written all the episodes. So he's obviously... His fingerprints are there. I think just in the just the someone I, re, I listened to a podcast and it was the Star Wars Underworld podcast and I, I wanted to give him all the credit for saying this because I think he was 100% on the money. Uh, Dominic uh, he said that this series some of the, some of these parts in these series are is like a Star Wars fever dream, and what was he explained how like Boba Fett crawling on a sand crawler and fighting Jawas, and. That's a, a great example. Oh my god, the Sandcrawler is yeah. my favorite thing. It, I've yeah. been watching this one. One of my flatmates in particular who also loves Star Wars. I was, we were losing our minds at how funny it is that this guy is just trying to climb the Sandcrawler with Jawa just throwing stuff at him. And the sound effects <laughs> of the things hitting his armor are just so perfect. And also, like, the baby is just floating along after it. The entire thing is so funny. And it's, like, probably my favorite thing in Star Wars ever now. Yeah. So that stuff like that, 
IG-11 and, and the Mandalorian teaming up, which is basically Boba Fett and IG-88 teaming mm-hmm. up. And I, I also I, love the gag of IG-11 constantly being like, oh okay, this sucks. I'm going to explode now. And the Mandalorian's like, do not blow yourself up. And he's like, I no, I'm going to self Take away TT to come back. I Go really back. hope IG... Like, just another IG droid that was also Taika would just be really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I'm... It's tough because that is the same thing that actually frustrates me the most about this show. And I don't want to be the party pooper. I don't want to be the person who's like overthinking it. But it, I can't get past that, what Favreau said about wanting to be, a, it's a toy chest. And like, you're totally right. It's IG-88 and Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett fighting the Jawas. It's Boba Fett and Yoda. Like, a lot of the characters are types. They're out of a toy box, slightly changed. And as I said, I think the acting is really good. I think the central emotional connection is compelling. I think the action has been fun. The the Jawas throwing stuff at him was hilarious. But I also, I find it a little jarring to know that the show is so thoroughly committed to the idea of like, yes, this is baby Yoda. That's what he is. He's not really his own character, but then on the other hand, he's extremely cute. And on the third hand, if you gave me a show that was like, here is Shakti, but not quite Shakti and Darth Maul, but not quite Darth Maul, I would be like, cool prequel toy box I would probably be more amenable to that because that's more of like the toys I played with both figuratively and literally and so I'm really I don't want to be the grumpy one here but that is jarring to me yeah I feel that I do like baby Yoda from the perspective of actually living with a baby and being like this is exactly what they're like (laughs) this is yeah because my sister had her kid while I was still living with her um and the whole thing of like the baby just like constantly being like, I want to be hanging out with you and just being able to like climb out of the thing. Like constantly I'm like, the Mando needs to keep his eye on the baby at all times now that he knows it can climb out of its crib and walk around. He needs to he needs to be watching it. Whenever he's not looking at the baby, I'm like, dude, dude, the baby could just walk away. You don't even know. Um <laughs> I get very stressed <laughs> out by this. <laughs> I also really love it. I think the second episode is my favorite so far, because I love it the in the episode he's like the baby's like playing with the with the frog and he's like spit that out and the baby just follows the frog hole but the whole thing of like not paying attention to the to the baby and then looking at it and having something it should not have in its mouth is just very quintessentially baby yeah i megan i I understand the criticism and i i and and obviously you're you're entitled to that criticism and and i don't want to belittle that at all but for me and I also want to emphasize that like I am having fun with the show episode three was right. a great time well right and I and I I, I know what you're saying though because you, you're you're afraid of what that could open up like it seems like it's so obvious and I think that maybe is why it's too on the nose is what maybe you're having trouble with and I, well, I totally yeah. get it and that's not like I don't think I'm I don't think that's a fear. I think that's a reaction to well, the current episodes that we all no, right. have. But at the same time, I feel that for me, it works 100%. I, I love it. I love everything about, because those are the things, again, those are things that I played with when I was a kid. I played with Boba Fett a ton. I have a Boba Fett droids action figure that I still have today that I can I'm looking at right now or it's around when well, no, I saw over here never mind I, I took it out but anyway uh, I know where it is but I still have it to this day and I, I played with that thing 
till the cows came home, man. I mean, I love that thing. I love my Star Wars action figures, and I always wanted a Sandcrawler, and I always wanted a Jawa. I never had a Jawa, but I think I think when you're when you do something inspired like that, you gotta you gotta do what you love, and you gotta put your heart into it. And I feel that whether it's on the nose or not, for for Star Wars or whatever. If it's good, if it's good storytelling, it's good storytelling. I think that is what's trans. That's what's, for, in my opinion, is, is transcending through everything. Because I think you're right. I think if it was sloppy story storytelling and just kind of laziness, then this wouldn't be as good. Baby Yoda would seem cheap. It may. I think that there would be. I think. I think it's a phenomena. Baby Yoda is definitely a phenomena that is. Yes. That is definitely transcended the the writing. But I think the writing has been so good that that's why people are as invested in Baby Yoda as well, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it's it's not just a ploy of Baby Yoda is so darn cute, isn't he? But no, like there's real depth there. It, as we see in these three episodes, it's not just a cute thing to have him around. No, there's an um, there's a reason why he's around that there's an overall it, again they're bringing in different ideas of lore. We all know the the doctor further in order the heck his name is. That guy is a cloner. And what does that mean for Baby Yoda? What exactly does that mean for the overarching story of Star Wars? And there's a lot going on. But I think Baby Yoda, even though, again, I I love the idea of going into the idea of who is Yoda's species and what does this mean? Like, mm-hmm. these, these are things that I think Star Wars fans, maybe not every Star Wars fan wants to know, but a lot of them do. And I yeah, think that, that's something that Star Wars has not touched on. Like, it was just an axiom that Yoda's species would never be explained. So the fact that there's another one here is is definitely a good reason to get people buzzing. I loved the third episode. I loved the moment where he like takes the top of the hyperdrive level lever off. It's so cute. <laughs> and Mando like grabs him by the back of the cloak and it's adorable. And I um was very surprised. Well, not surprised, but the third episode really kept the tension really well because Mando does give him to the client, like he, the question has been the whole time: Will he turn Yoda in? I spent the entire does. thing screaming. I was like <laughs> screaming at Mando. I was like, "You have to go back for the baby, like out loud." Yeah, like, make same. Make sure you to this. I was constantly like, "No, don't leave the baby. You have even to go Morgan. save your son." Yeah, even, your son. even Morgan, even Morgan, my wife was, and she's not, and she, I make her watch this with me, and she claims she doesn't like it. She's, I was like, "Baby Yoda," I'm like, "Yeah, no." She, but she was like. She was getting so stressed out when she when he dropped him off. She was Paul. I can't handle this. I I, I it's stressing me out. He's got to go back. Like I can't. She almost left because she couldn't handle like the fact that like he was just waiting and waiting to to go get back and get him. And I I was like, and th- again, this just goes back to the idea of being something good storytelling and having something inspired. Mm-hmm. Though this this is a trope. This is not necessarily original storytelling, but it's such a it's written and and paced so well. In this again, very short installments. That's another thing I want to stress as well. It is well. original in one way. I will. I would like to say this. It has a character acting as a really good dad. Yeah. In Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. Yeah, I, I just so when when people say I, I the criticism of it's so on the nose and and I, I I and I understand that, but for me, coming from the world of comic books, sometimes when people do the try to do something different with a character it's so it's or different with star wars it has to be very calculated in my opinion and, and i don't want to get in the last jedi but 
just something like that. It, it, it it can sometimes, it sometimes takes you out of what you love, even though you may not you may agree or don't agree with everything. But with 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 Marvel and growing up in Marvel comics, I've seen that way too many times with my characters. And and, and though I do like to have to be surprised and do and something different sometimes is is what's needed in in these long running franchise properties. I also think sometimes going with Old Faithful is sometimes the best medicine and the best thing for these things and i think the mandalorian this, is yeah this isn't old faithful though like it I, is yeah, i would agree with that too yeah i would agree i think but it's old faithful in that it's it's like taking again boba fett right it's essentially boba fett's not, boba fett's not available so i'm going to basically take the idea of boba fett what we all thought he was at least from again from the old the original trilogy days of what we all thought back in the day and like the before the prequels that's what Boba Fett was to us. Again, yeah, but even then, like, original trilogy Boba Fett, I still kind of imagine him, like, seeing a baby Yoda and being like, I must protect this thing with my life. That's true. I, and, I, and this is where I would say I, I would agree to that. And But, but at the same time, it's it's taking that, that look of Boba Fett, IG-88, taking Yoda and these familiar things that we understand as, as the, 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 uh, the lexicon of Star Wars. If there you are will. some familiar things from the prequels too i like screamed when the battle droid appeared in the flashbacks because that's one of the things i like about the writing in this the most is that they show you why the mando hates droids and they show you why he wants to take care of yoda without ever explicitly saying either of those things they just do them in the flashbacks which are very stylized and they could potentially be cheesy oh, but i didn't find them to be i didn't even connect i like that they the flashbacks are connected to a very specific thing um yeah. like in his life but also i did not connect the droid dislike to his flashback that's until like right when you see it it's really obvious <laughs> yeah i thought so and i think my brain was like orphan. whoa super battle droid <laughs> and then that was as far as my brain got because he makes such a point of it in the first episode. So it's like, oh, maybe his family was killed by the Confederate, by the um, uh, the Confederacy, the CIS, and maybe that's why he hates droids. And I was so happy to be proved right and to see some prequel flashbacks and to have it so obvious that Mando cares about his family and that he cares about having a family, but never had ever was able to grow up with his parents and he just wants to protect baby Yoda because they're both orphans and that's really cute. And that's never said, like he never says that in the dialogue. I can complain about some of this dialogue being a little exposition-y, but that part is just allowed. The story just breathes it out and you know it. And that's really impressive. Yeah. At the end of the first episode, I turned to my friend and I was like, he wants to protect baby Yoda because he sees himself in this orphan child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about the directors and in the story, I'm curious what you ladies think, because I we know we got Dave Filoni first episode directed by or first episode was directed by Dave Filoni. All it's written by John Favreau. And then you have uh, Rick, Fum, Rick Fumia, Fum, Fumiyama. Excuse me. It's a, it's a kind of a mouthful for me. I apologize. Uh, he he uh, was uh, he, he directed a movie called Dope. That I need to see. I've heard great things about. He was also on tap to direct a Flash movie, but he he, he dropped out because Warner's is insane. Um, and then uh, Deborah Chow directed the uh, third episode. She's pri- primarily done mostly TV shows. Um, and so one of the things I've noticed is 
and, and this is not a critique on Dave Filoni because I love Dave Filoni to death. And I, he obviously Dave Filoni is an executive producer on the show and is helping uh, John Favreau in in how to create Star Wars. You know, with from the mentorship of George Lucas, which obviously George Lucas is a big fan of John Favreau because he actually showed up on set uh, and was hanging out there multiple times, from what I understand, because obviously he loves Dave, um, and he, uh, he also loves John, uh, from what I understand. So anyway, what I'm curious is, for me, the first episode, first 15 minutes, pretty clunky. It, it, it's not bad, but it's just kind of it's kind of messy. And then once. They get to uh, the Queel, uh, the the Ugnaught by Nick Nolte. Uh, once they get there, it starts kind of slowing down a little bit, and then it kind of gets in a groove. And then I feel like every episode has just gotten better from a directing standpoint, and I think it's also from just the fact that these the other people know how to direct a little bit better because they've actually done other things in live action. Besides, and Dave Filoni has only done animation in one episode at this point of the Mandalorian, but I'm amazed of just some of the things they did in, in the episode or in the second episode in the third episode, we'll get to in a second, but Dave, I thought did an adequate job. The IG 11 stuff is amazing. I love it. I've, obviously it's probably mostly a second unit director, but Dave has storyboarded it probably. And, and it's, it looks phenomenal, but I love the quiet moments that we've gotten with baby Yoda and the Mandalorian that, Again, you talk about the the acting from uh, Pedro Pascal. I just feel that the the way they've been directed and the, some of the shots and some of the things like with the with the mud horn at the end of the second episode, some of the shots that, that Rick Fumiyama did and and just kind of some of the pans and having the sunlight come through his visor was gorgeous and mm-hmm, really conveyed mm-hmm. so much definitely... emotion. I agree. You can definitely tell that um, Dave Filoni is not as used to live action as the others, and the others have a lot more like directorial experience with that stuff. Because yeah, the first episode was a bit clunky, and I was like, I forgive it because I know it's Dave Filoni. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a guy like he's directing the first episode, and he's probably not as comfortable with it as others. And then the next two episodes came out, and I was like, solid directors, smooth experience, very good. Yeah, and so, but then like, and obviously the second episode, there's so many great moments where I'm like, man. Just in the beginning, of the, like the very beginning, when the Trandoshans come down and they attack him, and he just—it's beautifully choreographed and, mm-hmm. and and directed. I'm like, man, like, I—I I, I remember watching that second episode, thinking Rick Fumiyama needs to direct more Star Wars besides this, because I loved his—I loved everything he did, directing wise and 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 everything from this from this point. Then getting to episode three, which is the big one. We, we, that's the episode that everyone is hands down will say it's amazing. Deborah Chow directed that episode and just directed the crap out of it. It's amazing. And not just because of the endings. The ending we all know. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, don't turn us off right now. But the ending, which I've been told by many people I'm going to lose my mind, which I did, uh, when the main <laughs> show up is amazing. It's incredible. But everything before that is incredible too. It's She conveys so much emotion with again with the uh directing and, and, the, and the and the camera placement and and the pans and, and when he goes back to save baby yoda there's that great moments where they have the flashlights and and the, all the stormtroopers in the dark and oh my gosh it's so it's it's directed so well and i'm just like man i just i've been really impressed with the directing and we all know deborah chow is doing the whole series of the kenobi would say yes. I'm, gonna call, I'm gonna call it a mini series. It's essentially what's gonna be, what four to five episodes or whatever. And 
I'm 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 all bored. I'm so excited to see her. And I think it's awesome we have a uh an African American uh director in the second episode just kill it. We've got a female director, kill it. Um you also have Asian Asian descent. Like I love the diversity and just not just the diversity, but they're killing it, man. Like they're showing that these are amazing directors and I'm like, legitimate. Like I I had no idea who directed that second episode and I'm like, man, what Rick Fumiyama? Oh that oh he needs to come back. He's amazing. And so, <laughs> and so I love that we're getting to so much great content from these people and I cannot wait to see what they do more with star Wars. And I'm just curious what, if you guys noticed that like the directing just kind of the episodes are getting better, but like they're written by the same person, right? Like that's very, very evident. And I just want to say that, did you guys notice that how they just kind of directing like man like kind of went up a notch a little bit after every episode? For sure, this the second episode was actually my least favorite. However, it had beautiful landscape shots, and the moment you picked out right before the Trandoshans attack is one of those great moments where it's just Pedro Pascal alone in a canyon with a puppet, and he has like five distinct emotions in the space of 30 seconds and you can see all of them. And I think that's really impressive. I loved um, the the Mudhorn fight. I was not a huge fan, but it was so muddy. The set dressing was really good. It was gross. You could feel the mud. That was all very impressive. And everything about the third episode just worked for me. There was such a sense of tension through the whole thing. And I think it's because of touches like you mentioned with the stormtroopers and the flashlight in the hallway or the flashbacks to his parents' deaths, which I really, uh, it sounds morbid saying I really enjoyed that, but I really enjoyed that. And <laughs> One of my favorite, oh, sorry. Well, it's funny that you specifically mentioned Filoni, of course, he's a staple in Star Wars. His um, directorial voice has established a whole generation of Star Wars style with the Clone Wars. And I felt that the conversations between the Mandalorians were very Star Wars. They're also very expanded universe. Like some of these scenes could, especially in episode three, could be right from a Star Wars book, which is a delightful feeling with all these side characters and the way the dialogue is very straightforward is all feels so much like the EU to me. But I thought that the conversations between the Mandalorians had something distinctly Clone Wars about them. And I think it was the way that the action is integrated so tightly into the conversation. You have to, not only do you see dissent among the Mandalorians, but you see a fight. Like, they pull knives out, and it almost comes to a fight. And that's very... Clone Wars style Mm -hmm. so and it was interesting to me that that was not in Dave Filoni's episode but the writing I think Favreau is very similar sensibility and gets that the quick um you know action movie dialogue that we we see throughout this show yeah this I I I have to say I've just been really really happy with everything that they're giving us from just every everything they've given us with the lore of the Mandalorians, the the off-world Jawas, the uh, I, I love I just love what we're getting, and I love that it's familiar, but yet they're they're giving us different taste of things. And bring has up the Mandal- anyone, Go ahead. Has anyone made a show called Mandalorian? L O R E about. Man. I feel like someone must have done it. <laughs> it. I'm sure it will be done. 
now. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, you guys maybe have read probably more EU books than I have from the Legends material. I've, I've read mostly the early stuff. I've, that's more my thing in, in a bunch of the comics. But the books I'm, I have not touched. And, and you, Megan, 100% for sure, read more of the EU Legends than I have. Oh, I've read a lot. But it's all, okay. yeah, it's all pre-Empire uh, stuff. Okay, yeah, because I'm all pre-Empire stuff too. Or uh, I'm sorry. All the uh, Empire era stuff, if 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 or post uh, Empire stuff. So what I'm wondering is, and I and I've the little bit I've read because I read a bunch of the comics, and, and that's where a lot of the Mandalorian stuff comes from, besides the Karen Travis stuff. And you guys have read that, I think. <laughs> um, so what I'm curious is, this is great, because I'm, I'm, I I totally forgot you guys were into that. So my question is. How is this lining up with the lore of the EU? Because we all know in the Clone Wars, they kind of trampled on the old Mandalorian ways. And that was all George Lucas. And I remember there's a great, I'm going to post, post this on the Twitter at some point of Dave Filoni talking from the special features of the Clone Wars uh, uh, Blu-rays. Talking about uh, when, it, when George Lucas talked, bringing up Mandalore, he had said, well, we got a lot of this. And he kind of talked about all the EU that it came from. And George's like, well, I don't care. And then he kind of, you know, basically you tell Filoni did not want to just do that lightly. And mm. you, could, you I, I got the impression, and I, I'm going to post it eventually too. I got the impression that Filoni didn't necessarily want, he wanted George to maybe go along the lines of more what the EU did just because the fans were going to, you know, get upset which we all know fans did get upset, but we've, but again, we've accepted what, what they've done in rebels and clone wars. And we, and we love that, but now it seems it's set up something different. It set up. It's it, is this closer to the EU that we've gave us from the legends. So I, I think to, I'll let Megan go first. Cause actually she probably knows more about this than me. I think there are two sides to this. One of them is the Watsonian side, which is that inside canon, no, this is not the same as the Karen Travis Mandalorians. Um, We haven't seen their language in the same way. We haven't seen non-human Mandalorians, although arguably the, I think the armorer might not be, but it's just, that's just my fan theory. And we have not seen any of the kind of explicit, like, cultural practices that Karen Travis detailed and she detailed them like she knew what a Mandalorian wedding ceremony looked like there was so much detail put into that and for whether or not that detail was good is hotly debated (laughs) but the um so the kind of in-universe explanation is that not only is none of this connected to that it's also a little bit hard to see how this is connected to the canon Mandalorians because last we saw Mandalore it was under imperial occupation Sabine Wren and her mother were fighting to make it free again um Bo-Katan Kriz was the ruler and she was she had been and she had been kind of pushed aside by the empire and by the clans that allied with it and we don't know what's up with any of that right now the armorer her name in the if you watch the subtitles is the armorer there is a member of clan Vizla in that group the one who challenges yeah the mando is a Vizla, which voice what by a Vizla move. yeah see that's the thing it could be a shout out to favreau or it could be a moment where they wanted to connect to the, the rest of the canon it could be both um, I'm there's there's a question of 
uh, John Saavedra, our games editor, and was asking, who's Mandalore? Like, who is the Mandalore, the leader? And we have no indication of who that is, if one even exists, what the status of the Mandalore system is right now. We just don't know. And I think one of the reasons the show is less interested in answering those questions than it is in showing us this this Mando's particular conclave is the Watsonian reason, which is, excuse me, the Doyleist reason, the out-of-universe reason, which is that Star Wars is gets a lot of energy and gets a lot of mileage from underdog characters. You oh, yeah. usually in Star Wars have the rebels who are on the run, the resistance who are downtrodden, the Jedi who are about to fall into the Dark Age, you want to be able to root for a character that's gone through a lot and struggled a lot. And in order to make the Mando that person, the Mandalorians have to be underground. They have to be underdogs because then it's going to be more fun and more engaging and easily easier to root for them because you see they're in, they're in danger in some way. The stakes are clearly established. So is this connected to the, the Clone Wars canon and the Rebels canon? It's unclear so far. It exists in the same continuity, of course, but it could very easily be explained as a different branch of the Mandalorians. And But does this serve a particular function in the show that I think is more likely the conversation that Favreau had is how do we make this emotionally compelling? That is... I think that explains a lot of the way they did the Mando culture here. So before you, before you jump in, Saf, I, I want to ask, so reiterate. So the EU and what they're showing us right now is not still very similar from what you're telling me. Um, Not As in of, that we know. not in lore. Yes. Okay, okay thank you. Okay, that, that was, okay, go ahead, Saf. If you want to go, go from there. Okay, so weirdly enough, uh, everyone knows Rogue Podron for being goofy and not caring about Star Wars. In the last episode of Rogue Podron, well, no, we, we're doing a new mini show called The Podlorian. Podlorian, if you want to hear us talk about that. But I actually got really into my feelings on the Mandalorian lore, which is something I didn't know I cared about or thought about at all until then. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like Megan said, there's out of universe reasons for it being like it is. But I also think that the Mandalore we see in the Clone Wars is a very, like, I don't, not colonized, but like galactic kind of to fit in with the rest of the universe kind of thing. They've changed a lot of their ways. Um, and they probably have always been versus warriors. That's the big yeah, difference. Yeah. They've very much been like we're pacifists now and push the actual Mandalorian religion and core, like core stuff underground. And the death watch that we see is very much like kind of the, <laughs> the alt-right of that, I feel. But there's also been like the committed actual Mandalorians who've also been around, but not really been able to like be around as much. Um, probably more outside of the urban areas that we see in the Clone Wars. Uh, I feel like Rebels kind of goes like helps with that a bit because we actually see the clans and their interactions um, and them kind of uniting under one kind of leader but i also feel like the empire probably did come in to squish all that because they're like no 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 no, you can't be warlike and also we want your best guy kind of thing um i imagine that mandalore kind of got screwed over in a way that a lot of planets did by the empire because they wanted the resources and so they kind of just killed everyone in the way and destroyed the planet and that's probably why the mandalorians are somewhere else and underground um and also like trying to get their best guy back because it's all been taken I wonder how recent um, yeah. some of their traditions are, because it's so important to them not to be seen, and especially not to be seen 
Well, you, you can only see one at a time, and you cannot take your helmet off if you're above ground. You're not supposed to show your face to anyone else. They The Mandalorian makes the Mando of the title, makes a comment about, like, I can't do that. It's part of my religion. And it was really hard for me to tell whether that was supposed to be a joke or serious. I think it was a bit of both, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially um, because it seems like Mandalorian has kind of, Mandalore has kind of gone, at least this conclave, has gone from being, like, you have to be born Mandalorian to, like, actually taking people in. Because uh, foundlings seem to be orphans. Yeah, Karen, yeah, yeah. It is kind of a very Karen Travis thing. Um, Which I I wonder if that was purposeful from Dave Filoni because again Dave I doubt it you don't think so <laughs> I personally okay. doubt it um, I mean Karen Travis's stuff is like ugh, it's it's a thing um, like a lot of her lore is interesting and the way she writes Mandos and clones is like you know she's got a camaraderie stuff but also she she has a particular dislike for certain like lore if she disagrees with it um and i don't think they would have necessarily gone to her novels for reference i think what's happened here is is that like mandalore has been screwed over everything's kind of ruined actual mandalorians themselves probably a lot of them are dead and like like orphans like they're not heartless people they're going to take in these orphans and if these kids are willing to like be part of the clan and follow the right ways then why not have them be Mandalorians kind of thing? And I do like that because it's not just like Mandalore isn't just like a birthright. You don't get to be Mandalorian just because you were born one. You have to like actually respect the, I guess, religion and the ideals of Mandalorians to become one. And that's kind of what this, what the Mandalorian himself is doing is he's becoming mm-hmm. a Mandalorian, but he's still kind of new at it. It, it. The impression that I get is that you guys are all on the money. I think it seems like they're, post empire when the empire came in and we get rebels the reason why the mandalorians or obviously we have um what's her name uh bo-katan take the mantle of the leader of mandalore and against and they were going to go against the the uh the empire and that's why they're kind of not involved with the galactic uh, war you know the greater galactic war because they're pretty they're pretty much their own sect of, of people and they have to do their own thing that being said it certainly seems like what we're getting in this story is that the Empire has fractured Mandalore and the Mandalorian culture to a point where it is no longer just a planet of people. It is a way of life. And I wonder if, that is a, if that's always been there. or Let me take it back. It's always been there, but if it's this, how the extent of what they're doing is all because of the purge of the Empire. They referenced it in the story. Mm-hmm. And if that's something that's going to be addressed, because we, we know Rebels is right around A New Hope, right? So maybe we're going to get some ancillary material for our show, perhaps, where we're going to get something that says, this is... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're going to get stories, books, comic books that are going to be about the purge of the empire and why the Mandalorians are like this, because they have mm-hmm. been pretty much extinct to the point of where they, their warrior ways are now the, what is going to keep them alive away from Mandalore. And they have to be in hiding yeah. almost like they're Jedi, if you will, mm-hmm. because yeah. So I wonder if that's the route they're, or not even, it's, it is the route they're going by what it seems like. I think that's an interesting question. Are the culture, are the, excuse me, the traditions they have now based on their, the fact that Mandalore has been, the planet has been completely strip mined and ruined and is in some kind of environmental disaster and their current 
traditions are a result of that? Or are these traditions kind of what Mandalore was before the Republic got involved and now they're returning to it? Or is it both? It's probably both. I think it's a good mix of both. Because I feel like... um, like Mandalorians, like actual, like I guess religious Mandalorians, um, have probably always been around and always kind of like obeyed these rituals. In a lot of ways, practicing Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, and these ones in particular are probably trying to keep that alive now that so many are dead, and like this culture is probably dying because of it. Um, they're probably more strict to the adherence of those rules because of that in particular. But also, yeah, there will be some stuff like only being one around at any given time uh, does definitely help them not get wiped out. Yeah, I I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting thing to go into in the material. And I I can't wait to get more information. And um, yeah, because I I just think that because one of the things I'm surprised about is we haven't got more novels or comics connected to to the Mandalorian and his story. And but I feel but I feel like now that this show is a giant hit and I feel it's coming and they're going to really give us a lot of cool stuff. And I would, I like, I know in the next episode that, you know, at least when we record this, we're going to, it's going to be introduced uh, Cara Dune or Cara Dune. I forgot what way you pronounce it. Um, and I'm really excited to get, listen, you know, get into her character. And, uh, I just think there's a lot of rich material here to go into with comic books and books or, or how about this? What if I what if I what if I told you what if I told you uh, that the purge of Mandalore and the and the official Empire versus the Mandalorian like planet would be a video game? I mean, that I'd would be, be here cool. for that. I would yeah. be up for that. So <laughs> I'd be I, here for that. I, I, I also I, wonder if the purge could be connected in some way to um Operation Cinder. Wait, has no. that happened at this point? No, oh uh, yeah, Cinder's already here, but that seems like too recent actually. Yes. Now that I say that, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I feel that the the purge had to happen right after Bo-Katan takes over. And now remember, Bo-Katan, uh, Bo-Katan the lady who uh, plays Bo-Katan voice, had talked about on Twitter that she just was filming something that she couldn't wait for people to get it, to watch or whatever. And Mandalorian uh, <laughs> two is filming right now, Ooh. and I happen to Boy. think that. I, yeah, so this you didn't you didn't see that, Seth? <laughs> to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. follow anyone on Twitter. Um uh, Katie Sackhoff, uh I don't follow her either, but people were tweeting it and uh she talked about that and it Katie Sackhoff, who voiced Bo-Katan, tweeted that out and I'm I'm a firm believer that she's gonna be in season two and it's gonna be Bo-Katan and and I think she's gonna probably explain what happened to Mandalore. And, you know, at least from a exposition standpoint, we'll at least kind of understand, but actually get to see it downfall. I would love to see expressed in a comic, but even more than a comic book, I don't get no forget the novels. Novels have not been <laughs> on the money for me right now. But but that being said, if it's not a comic book or a TV show or whatever, give it to me in a video game. I think a video game is a perfect medium for something like that. So, uh, yeah, Just I get through a million years of development and how to get it out. I do think, um, like, because the last we kind of see of Mandalore is Bo-Katan kind of uniting the Mandalorian clans. Like, I feel like that may have been a push for the Empire to be like, uh-uh. Yeah, no. that's a good yeah. point. That might even no, 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 no. We're not having this today. Yeah. <laughs> today. No, I, I think I think that's very accurate. So, so yeah, I guess uh, wrapping up Mandalorian, it sounds like we all love the show, from what it sounds like. Um, mm. Having a good time. 
or yeah, you don't love it. Time. Very excited. I'm glad there's like, oh, I'm just glad I like it. I'm glad I love it. I I can't believe I have Mandalorian opinions and like all this deep lore about Mandalore that's been in my brain for a long time is suddenly emerging. Like, hey, guess what? You care about Mandalorians now and it's going to be this way for the rest of your <laughs> damn life. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be this, uh, this, this TV series, I think is, is so important for star Wars. And I think it really shows that what you can do with short form storytelling and, uh, or, or with, or excuse me, with episodic storytelling from a, you know, shorter time limits with 30 minutes. Cause obviously these, these episodes have all been under 40 minutes, which was a surprise to most of us. And, uh, at least for me, I'm curious if you guys were surprised by that or not. We got surprised by the the uh, thirty minute run times at the minimum. Yeah, I expected it to be longer, but also I feel like it's a good. I am a fan of concise storytelling. It's been a thing my entire life because I feel like with constraints you can tell a more polished story. So I do. I feel like if they had to, it's a big issue I actually have with a lot of TV shows is they, especially like streaming things, is they have to push it to like an hour, and you end up with like too much stuff that doesn't really isn't really necessary and could be cut. Yeah, I, I'm curious what is on the cutting room floor. And I, again, because the scale is so big and it does look so cinematic and it's only a TV show, I think it's a way to save money. But I also love the concise, tight storytelling that we've gotten. And I'm all about it. So we're, think about this. We're only just about under an hour, what, an hour and 20 minutes or just almost 100, over 100 minutes now of the Mandalorian total of story. And we've gotten this much. So... I I can't wait to get more, and I think it's I think it's so important to show us that you don't need an hour every episode of Star Wars TV, and I just think that this is important for Star Wars to because I really do think this is a feature of Star Wars. I really do. I think this is I think films will be important going forward, but I think the longevity of Star Wars and developing Star Wars for new generations like the Clone Wars be- before it really helped generate a a generation of Star Wars fans that, you know, maybe not as big as the Mandalorian, but it definitely helped fuel Star Wars with multiple TV series coming in, into play. I think this is how new people will come into Star Wars and they'll start investing into it. Not just because of baby Yoda, because I think because it is going to be on Disney plus, it's going to be prevalent. People are going to be talking about it. It's already a big talked about thing. It's nice to see Star Wars getting such wide conversation right now. I think it will in December too, but it's been fun to see people like parts of the internet that are not all about Star Wars all the time, like the parts I am mostly on, getting excited about this. The other thing I'll say about the runtime is just to reiterate something that I had said before we kind of got into the meat of the episodes, but that I really do appreciate that they're a, they're a week apart, that they're, they are coming out one at a time, and we have the chance to theorize and guess and make, like, figure out what all the references to things are and to get attached in between episodes instead of all of them dropping at once. Yeah, we get time to digest, uh, which is nice. Also, yeah, you don't have to, like, speed through all of them at once to try and not get spoiled for the entire show i really do enjoy the weekly format thing because it gives me something to look forward to every week and yeah yeah, you get time to talk about it like imagine if we'd had to like deal with the fact that baby yoda exists but also like the rest of the tv series at once that would be too much 
Yeah, well, I, I can tell you from someone who who's watched Game of Thrones, and I, I know a lot of you guys didn't, or you did for a while, Seth. But I think we all, a lot of us, enjoyed the 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 weekly uh, thing of of all talking about it and speculating it and, and listening to podcasts about it and videos about it, and it's a lot of fun. It's even though it's it's nice to get it all at once. I value the time of getting to know every episode and, and watching it multiple times before the next one and talking to your friends about it and podcast about it. So I love that. And I, I, even though I love instant gratification, I love that it's week to week and I'm so glad. I think that's, I think binge, I think binging will be a part of the past in a sense to where it's that people won't just binge things anymore. And that will be just for people who are discovering it for the first time after it's already been out. Binging will always be a, a cool thing to do, but not the same way as Netflix has kind of introduced to it. I think people value the week to week too much now with like a Game of Thrones or whatever, or Watchmen if you're like me watching that, which I love. So yeah, I, I, I love it. So it sounds like we all are enjoying, if not loving the Mandalorian. Um, and uh, it's a good place just to wrap up. Do you have any closing thoughts, ladies? Yes, I don't think so. Oh, I do. I really <laughs> love the uh, the thing of Werner Herzog just forgetting that Puppet Yoda is a puppet and just talking to the baby as if it was a real baby. I love that so much. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Werner Herzog a... has been quite a gift through this whole thing. Really oh, true has. blessing to Star Wars. I'm oh, God, I love it. Yeah, he's. And by the way, Warner Herzog, go see Grizzly Man. It's an amazing documentary. It's amazing. And he directed it, and it's incredible. Incredible story. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, that's, we're going to kind of end there, I guess. And the next episode we're going to have, it's going to be us talking about The Rise of Skywalker. And that's going to be the quote oh my unquote. God, right. Yeah, it's going to be the quote unquote end of the uh, Skywalker saga, which I still don't necessarily believe. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, if it is, I hope I just want a satisfying ending. And, uh, well, that episode is going to be a barn burner. I can tell you right now. <laughs> I, I, that one's, woof. That's, we're not quite sure when we're going to record yet because the movie is so late that it almost abuts Christmas, which is yeah. going to be weird. But that our next episode will be after the rise of Skywalker, which is a crazy oh, so fictional absurd. sentence. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. And I and we have obviously Fallen Order. We've got um, we've got uh, the Mandalorian to, to all digest before the uh, the eventual Rise of Skywalker. We've got new books out. We've got the Force Collector, which I need to get to. I'm, I'm going through slowly Rebel Rising or excuse me, uh, Resistance Rising, uh, and that's been. Or is it, oh, is it reborn? Oh my gosh, I'm so yeah, bad. It is. They, they, they've these names are so alike. It's it's a little, it's really easy for me to get lost. And so, uh, I and I I I I will say this. I haven't been loving Resistance Reborn, but I haven't hated Resistance Resistance Reborn, which I'm interested in what you guys will think about about that book eventually. Um, I liked it. My my short review of Resistance Reborn is that I listened to it on audio over the course of one weekend, which was a laborious experience. But despite that, the character voices were really good, and uh, it was a fun book. So yeah. overall, I liked it. I'm I'm currently reading Rogue Planet. <laughs> Speaking of the old Wait, EU, the old EU book, the old EU. Oh. And I, oh, I'm I love gonna Rogue be Planet. 
It's really, really charming. It's twelve-year-old Anakin. It, yeah, it's it's really charming, and um, I'm gonna be reading Force Collector next. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to go into Force Collector. It sounds really interesting. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I guess I get through Rebel. See, I'm doing it already. Resistance Reborn. So I, 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 like I said, I haven't disliked it so far. I just haven't hasn't engaged me where I keep going back to it. But I'm gonna finish it hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, but anyway, that's a that's the end of the Blaster Cannon. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you follow us on Blaster Cannon uh, on Twitter at Blaster Cannon Pod. That's Cannon with C A N O N. Um, you can follow me, Paul, at Herman Twenty Two with two N's. Uh, also. A, also follow me on uh, my Marvel Newscast podcast, Saga Continues, my other Star Wars podcast with my friends Tim and Kyle, and my brand new podcast, uh, the uh, oh my gosh, the Binge Comic. I almost forgot the name of my own show, the Binge Comic Podcast, where we binge comic books and talk about it. That's on the uh, streaming comic book services like the DC Universe app or Marvel Unlimited. So check us out there. Uh, Megan, tell us where we can find you. You can find me on Twitter at blog full of words. I have uh, written for Den of Geek and mostly and StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider right now. Um, the reason I'm reading Rogue Planet is because I'm also on a podcast called The Vongcast from the Tashi Station Network, where we're reading through the entirety of the new Jedi Order and the associated books and comics. So if you're interested in the expanded universe, that's a good place you could go. Excellent. And Saf, where can people find your work at? You can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, um, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. I'm also on Patreon with the same thing, where I talk about, like, game design and stuff. Uh, I'm also on Rogue Podron, and we have the new mini-show Podrilorian, um, and we are a bit more of a goofy take on Star Wars and the lore of Star Wars. <laughs> if you like, if you don't, <laughs> if you like Star Wars and you don't really care about Star Wars at the same time, it's a show for that. It's irreverent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the professional category that it belongs in. Yes, that it is. You guys are a goofy bunch, but I love you guys anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, thanks for all listening, and uh, please, and thanks to Denny Geek for uh, for hosting the sh- the show. And we will see you next month when we review the Rise of Skywalker. So see you all then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 